bad. Has now been around for three seasons and coaches everywhere are saving time and being more efficient when it comes to scout cards. Coach Robinson from Texas says, the thing I most enjoy is the ease of access to all the scout cards and how I can draw on them if I need to make any changes. Every coach that uses it says that it is so great to use. If you and your staff are tired of the old ways of preparing and using scout cards, check out thecoachpad.com to start enjoying scout team and making the 2023 season better than ever. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Backer Podcast. Um, I have uh, a friend of mine who's also the assistant coach currently at Bishop Rosecrans, um, and he's also one of our region directors for OHSFCA, uh, Coach Chad Jackson. Coach, how are you doing? Doing fine. How are you today, Coach? I'm doing good. Doing good. Like I, It's great to have you on. I mean, we just spent, what, 20 minutes just BSing on a variety of things, so as we always do. Um but how do you, I mean, you're, you're obviously helping grand staff there at Rosecrans right now in that role and kind of doing some consulting with Zanesville as well. How do you kind of end up where you're at right now? Um, that's a good story. Uh, so I went to college, played football, um, come out of college, couldn't find a job, went to the Army actually. Came back from the Army and decided, man, Chad was coaching. I love the sport, Coach Whit Parks, who let me coach with him before I went to the military, uh, come back, and he wasn't in Zanes anymore, but caught on, actually was going to coach at uh, Maysville, and another friend of mine got a job at Zanesville. Chad was still up in northwest part of Ohio with Coach Parks, and I'd been going up there watching them, and I just got the bug to coach, and I started at, at Zanesville in 07, back at Zanesville, I should say, because I coached there earlier when Coach Parks was there back in the late 90s. Um, just loved it ever since, between that and uh, teaching history. I uh, just started coaching. Chad eventually came back, and we started uh, together. I mean, I've known Coach Grandstaff for a long time. We grew up basically a block from each other's houses. So, you know, and Coach Parks, just watching him and the passion he put into it, put into me to coach football and coach O-line. That's my passion. I mean, I, I coach outside linebackers also, and I love that. Um, but coaching O-line is my true passion. Those are my guys. Good. No, seriously, and, and that's – I mean, we'll kind of probably hit on both of those O-line and outside backers today. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like I said – and I said this when I talked to uh, Grand Staff, is just you guys have did a pretty good job at rebuilding Zanesville – because you talked about it a little bit, it kind of went down a little bit for a little brief time. And then obviously he came back, put together a really good staff. You guys had some really good athletes, especially what was those 13, 14 years? 13 was our, yeah, we had some of the 13 and 15, two final four appearances, you know what I mean? Just like you say, football is a game of inches, inches from being in the state championship, which I think in 13, we'd have got there, we'd have won. Yeah. Because the team would beat us, won it. And I, I, you know, I think we don't want we had a state title, but that's why I say game of inches, game of inches. Who, who did you lose to again in 13? Loveland. Loveland. That's right. Okay. Um, but, you, I mean, we've talked a lot, especially over the past year with me being a region rep this year and you being, and we sit, hell, sit either next to each other or two seats down from each other a lot of time. Um, I mean, you, I mean, the playoffs are a great testing ground for coaches 
Like you're, you see a certain thing in your league every year, like your schedule and, and uh, grand staff talked a little bit about that as well. But like you, you've mentioned all the time, just the lessons you guys learned in the playoffs, lessons you learned in the playoffs. What kind of lessons do you think you actually took away from those playoff experiences? Because like, I mean, you guys have built your offense and defenses kind of more and more every year off kind of those things that you've learned. Well, the thing is, first thing you learn being a young coach that I was, is I thought I'll go in the playoffs. I know it's hard because when I played it, it took four teams. Then it took eight. Well, now we're to 16, so it's a little, a little easier. It's still hard to get there. And I wondered, you know, you have these great coaches out there, and they get there and they're one and done. One and done. Two and done. It takes time. You have to get there and experience it and see what your flaws, because you got there. That means you're a good coach or you got a good team, but you always have flaws. You got to be able to self-mirror or self-examine, excuse me, self-examine yourself and your program. What You're doing something great because you're there. So don't, don't, don't beat yourself up. But when you get beat, somebody's doing something a little better. So what do you have to do to figure out, you know, are, you know, and like one of the couple of big lessons, and I don't know, Coach Hill is not, our first year we got to the playoffs like in 2007, we just wanted to get there. Just wanted to get the playoffs, get the kids to understand we got to get there. I mean, we got hammered by the sales, I think. But it's like, okay, we got there, all right? Now we want to get a home playoff game. Well, we did that in 12, but because we cut ourselves short, we lost that home playoff game because the kids were like, we got there, coach. We, we got the home playoff game. That, that's it. No, so you got to set your goals to win it. You know, win, win your conference, win, win the state title. You, you got to go after those big goals. Now, you pick up goals that go along with it, but you don't cut yourself short because in that game, you might cut yourself short. And the other big thing we learned in 2012, honestly, and all the years leading up to 2013, our first Final Four run, was you got to have an answer. Somebody's going to know what you like to do, and you got to have an answer when they shut that down. You know, we didn't have an answer. We like to roll our quarterback out, roll our quarterback out. They brought guys off the edge. And offensive line coach, I didn't have an answer. And coach took to me and said, you're going to have an answer. We're going to have an answer from now on. And, and we do. That's the biggest thing I can say now is we get in situations, we have answers. I have an answer. I know what I can do with my kids. I mean, I teach some stuff when I get offensive linemen that's second level to I like to understand that if this happens, what we're going to do. If this happens, what we're going to do. I don't. I might not work it every day, but I put it in their mind. So if it ever happens, they kind of have a clue what, how we're going to do something. You know, and if you don't do that, you're cutting yourself and your kids short. But again, if you're never put in that situation, you can't learn from it. Yeah. No, exactly. You're you're hundred percent right there. And you don't know what you don't know until it happens. Don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And sometimes you don't get to see that some years because you just have so much talent that mm -hmm. nobody has an answer for it. Like, I mean, it kind of talks, we were talking about your son walking on Ohio State earlier and like I'm going to say this nicely, when they play like a Mac or one of these lower level schools, I mean, they can have an answer, but is it really going to be an answer just because of the talent disparity? Like, it's just, it is what it is. I mean, but, you know, can we bounce the O-line next? Like, O-line, like, so I talked to Chad, like, you had several schemes, and then kind of you guys get simplifying and simplifying, especially as you start throwing the ball more. Mm -hmm. Um and again, that 12, 13, 14 years, like you guys transitioned from that eye to a full spread mm -hmm. offense. Yeah, um, I was an I was an eye guy, and I liked the eye also because the running like gap scheme. And uh he was like, Well, we got these guys coming, we're gonna run the spread, we gotta run zone. I'm like, Chad, I don't I don't know about this zone. I'm like the research I said, but the biggest thing that scares me, Chad, is 
zone, everything you step laterally and gain ground and, and, and block. And I said, last time I checked, Chad, we don't get to pick our players. They're not 6'6", 320 coming <laughs> to the door. I said, I you know, our little linemen sometimes, they try to step laterally and get blown up, get blown back, or you'll be yelling at me. So luckily, I had a friend at the time at Michigan, Coach Daryl Funk, who's now at BYU, offensive line coach. Um, shout out to him. Um, he was coaching at Michigan, and uh, Coach Parks knew him and introduced me, let me come up there, and he talked about getting vertical. He gave me a bunch of drills. They never step sideways. They get vertical and uh, vertical and up the field, up the field, up the field. They did a million drills up the field, up the field, stepping 45, up the field, gaining ground, never losing ground. So it was like he married a gap scheme to the zone, and I adopted that, and that helped us out a lot because I don't step laterally. We step vertically, 45 degrees at minimum, and we're getting up the field, we're gaining ground, and it's zone, but it looks like more of a gap scheme. And then I can marry the gap scheme stuff like do, like your power, quarterback powers and things you want to do in the, in the spread. You can marry that to it because it's really not two different schemes because yeah. – you know, you're not stepping sideways, teaching all that waddle stuff. And I'm not saying nothing wrong with that. If you can go out and recruit your players and get 6'6", 320 across the board, like I did in 15, I had that across the board, basically. Yeah, you could do that. You just swallow people up. <laughs> I mean, great players make great coaches. I ain't going to lie. Yeah. You know? But when you don't have that, what I learned from Coach Funk up at Michigan, unfortunately, at the team up north, um, you can do this. And, and, we, and we've done it. And it worked out tremendously for me. I mean, but zones a type of play you can't just stick your toe in the water with it you got to marry it i mean that year in 2012 when we first brought the zone out we didn't have another run play besides zone left and zone right inside zone that was not even outside zone inside zone till week six of the, of the season because you got to ref that so many times get the kids used to doing it that you just that's all you can run that, that's it that's all we did you know and later on we added more but the biggest thing I've learned over the years, me and Chad together, and, and I'm, I'm always going to take is keep it simple. You know, what you can do and what your kids can do are two different things. If they can't do it, there's no reason to have it. Even though it's great, great scheme, great play. It, if the kids can't do it, scrap it. I mean, we may have every year we put our offense in, we may have 10, 12, 14 run plays. By the time the season gets there, we're running four or five of them. That's it. You know, we're going to try them all out. I'm going to look at them, Chad, look at them. What can we do? Well, I like this play, Chad. I want to have that. Yeah, we'd have that play. That, And then the rest of it, we just scrap because you can't get enough reps at. Mm-hmm. You got to have our kids that we've always coached got to have reps. You can't run a run play twice in the game and think you're going to get something out. Yeah. That's, that's asinine to me. Other thing that drives me crazy is when a coach calls a run play, gets 10 to 15 yards, you never see it again to the fourth quarter. If it ain't broke, I ain't fixing it for you. You're going to have to fix it yourself. I'm going to run that play until you stop it. <laughs> so Jim, old Jim Trestle quote, like he his like first three, three or four plays, he called as an offense coordinator or power, and it's just a different formation or a different thing. And his head coach asked him to go run a different play. Like, why? It's getting eight yards to carry. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm that way. And sometimes I think people outthink themselves. I'm like, look, man, if this play's working, you're going to see that play a whole lot. And I know as being an offensive lineman, okay, you can't run a play three times and have it down because you're trying to figure out that defensive lineman, what he likes to do and what you can do to him to make the play work. Oh, coach, I missed him that time. I'm going to give him next time. Well, we'll never call it again. You ain't got next time to go back to. And now you called something else and you're trying to figure out how to block that guy on this play now. You know, so you got to run something eight, nine, 10, 11 times. Because the thing is, it may be the seventh time when it pops. 
first six times it was eh, okay. The seventh time the line right, yeah, we know we know what they're gonna do, we know they're gonna do. Here we go, boom, and then there you go for a 10-yard gain or a touchdown. You know, but if you don't call that run play over and over again, you're never gonna get to it. And guys that have 10, 15 run plays going into a going into a, a game, they must have awful smart kids, really, really smart or all really, really good. Because I like I said, we might have 15 run plays by the time the game comes around, we got five and sometimes two. And and, and that, that's okay. You know, a lot of times our meetings was, office line, offensive meeting was, well, this is what we do. If they stop it, we're just going to have to get beat, I guess, because this is what we do. If you don't stop it, we're going to win. Yeah. Now, and like to your point, zone is a, I've tried messing with it in the past. And it is one, you have to do a lot of off-season study. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like, it, it, you're going down the weeds because there's, 18 billion different things that can occur and how you react it. And so how do you go about the process of working with your offensive line in inside zone? Like what is your typical process? The thing thing with zone is it really brings together that those five guys got to become one. You know, everybody knows you're an offensive line coach. You got five guys, but you got to become one. Zone makes you become one because you got to work like a chain. You're not going to be as good as your weakest link. Okay, so the first thing I do is I got to make it simple to where if I yell something, they know what I'm talking about. So I came up and Chad came up with the clock. Okay, we call it the clock. And what that is, is we all know what the clock looks like. So I can yell out there, take a 12 o'clock step. That's straightforward. That means I need you to get that way, get get vertical. You know, I need to get vertical. You're not, you're not taking a one, you're not taking a 12 o'clock step. You're taking a three o'clock step. No, I need, I need, a, I need a 12 o'clock step get up the field, you know, or I might say, Hey, take a two o'clock step on that, gain some ground, but get outside that guy. Cause we're trying to get him turned or something. So I taught them the clock to know how to step. So I can verbally tell them when I see them not doing things right. Hey, the clock, what would you step at? Oh, coach, man, I, I stepped at four. I stepped at three o'clock. Nope. Gotta be a two or one. Come on now. You know, so you teach him the clock. Uh, lines on the field are important. Thank, thank God for turf. Okay. <laughs> um, you got to work on your steps and 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 gaining ground. So I'd be behind a, a yard marker and tell, okay, take your step. You got to gain ground. Take step. So we would sit there and just bird dog steps, bird dog steps, 100, 200 a day to get them used to taking that step, that step, that step. Because you got to break zone down into the smallest parts. You just can't start running zone. You got to break it down so the kids understand. Okay, this is it's a progression. I got my step. I got my clock. I got my step. Now what am I looking at? Okay, now it starts breaking into you got to teach them how to read a defense a little bit and and, and not as much as colleges, but they got to understand what they're up against. And I used to teach them the first the first thing, if I say a three, four, what does that mean? That means three down linemen, four linebackers, coach. All right. So linebackers go from the tackle box straight back. Not inside that. We don't count. A lot of teams do. I can see in college now. Dealing with my own son is in college, listening to him talk about things. I can see why you count guys outside the box. But in high school football, we don't have that much time. We can't go that far into it. So you, you count what's in the box. So get them to understand that, okay, it's a 4-2. Four, four down linemen, two linebackers. 5-1. Five, five down linemen, one linebacker. Because you got to know who has to get to that linebacker. Who's responsible when you run inside zone, get to that linebacker. Yeah. So your combo block becomes the, the next best important thing. But it's the biggest thing with combo blocks is what I've learned is if you don't block the down man, it don't matter if you block the linebacker or not. 
because you can block it down, man, and get three yards. And thing is, people understand zones only meant to get three or four yards. That's all. That's what it's meant for. It's not meant to go to distance. It ain't meant to get ten yards. That's great. That's great. But it's meant to to move the chains for you. It's it's a it's a run play out of your spread formation to get you three or four yards. So it's second and six. Or when it's second and four, now it's third and two or third and one. Or you got a first down because you ran zone and got four yards. Okay. But the biggest thing I teach my kids and teach kids overall is you got to block the down man first. Even though you're comboing or double teaming in the old verbiage for gap scheme, even though you're double teaming, if we don't block him, he will make the tackle for a three-yard loss. If we block him and we don't block the linebacker, we'll get a three-yard gain problem or at least two. I said, so what's better, guys? So getting that into their heads that, hey, down guy's most important. And we'll spend the first June, we'll, we'll just combo block and never touch the linebacker. I won't, I won't let him go off the linebacker. Nope, block the down man. Block the down man. Block the down man. You got to block the down man. So many times I see in film, at every level, they run zone, and somebody forgets the number one thing, block the down man. And the down man makes them, they, they block the linebacker. Linebackers back are getting blocked by two people, and down man made a, made a tackle for a loss. Yeah. So it's in stages, I would say. And, and I start small. Don't give it to them all at once. You know, I might give them a picture, show them some film of what a zone looks like. Then we'll say, guys, we're going to break it down all the way back to the first step. Don't worry about that stuff at the end. Let's get back to the first step. Let's get that down and go from there. Yeah. Now, I was listening to the clinic yesterday, and, and, and that, the line coach essentially emphasized, like, first two steps were his main priority. That was like, it's like, if you can get that 90% of the time, you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. It's all – and that's kind of what we've worked on this summer too. Like obviously my new job, I'm trying to figure out, okay, who's what, what works. I mean, that's, that's the problem when you take over, go to a place for the first time is you just don't know what you're able I mean, you can throw a bunch of stuff at the wall, but God knows what's actually going to stick. So to your point, that's a hundred percent, hundred percent right. Um, in terms of the footwork and um, what is your, I mean, obviously that kind of hit on some of the drill stuff. But is there anything more advanced drill-wise that you do um, outside of steps and combo? Yeah. Like, what 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 rabbit holes do you go down? I'm gonna go down one and one of my biggest pet peeves, I guess. I'm gonna put this out there to all the coaches. I'm not picking on any coaches at all, but understand linemen have to be just as skilled with their footwork as a receiver or a running back or quarterback does. So why we do not? work on lineman skills when it comes to bag drills, cone drills. I mean, I'm talking about the basic stuff. My my son calls it the county fair. We get out there, you got a bunch of stations where you're moving around. The linemen have to need to do that just as important as your skill guys do because they need to be good inside their 10-yard box. I'm not saying a lineman has to be have a great 40. I don't know why they run 40. It's probably stupid. They should run a 10 maybe, maybe a 20 at the most. But I always tell my kids, I need you to be the fastest person and the quickest person inside your 10-yard box, okay? A lineman could be a slow lineman, but if his feet are fast, he could be a very good lineman. He could run a 5'2", 5'3", 5'5", But if he has fast feet, he could be a very good lineman. You can't move, you can't play. And I just feel linemen get left out when it comes to just basic drills, running over the bag, through the bag, around the bag, around the cones, shuffling your feet. You know, those basic drills that my son calls the county fair drills, do that with your linemen. Do it every day. Ain't got nothing to do with the zone or gaps or anything, but it gets their feet moving. Some of my best linemen I've ever coached 
for soccer players before they played football because they had to move their feet, learn to move. I I see it every time these kids can't move. They're big. They're 6'6", six, six or 320. Like, yeah, that kid, that's the kid I want. Then they're like, well, he can't move. So you got to train their feet. When I call it foot fire, you get their foot fire going boom, 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 boom. So bird dog stuff, quick, 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 quick. So, I mean, Coach Grandstaff, bless his soul, every day we come out, we did team bags. Whole team did bags. And I'm turning out. I got linemen that could go through the bags, make this is a good receiver go through the bag. Maybe not near as fast, but it looks athletic. You know, their feet are fine, their hands are right. They're not tripping over the bag and falling down. You know, that is huge to me. And I just think that as a line coach and lineman, we have to get our linemen's feet better. If their feet are good, they can get most of their blocks. They can be a successful lineman at, at five three. If their feet got good feet, they can be successful. So it ain't even about the drills to get to it. You got stuff to do prior to those drills. And that's just, just getting your feet moving, getting good foot fire, and then, then we'll move on to the drills. Okay. Perfect. Now, now, now let's let's transition to defense for the second half of this. Like, um, obviously you guys had a pretty dang good defense as well because y'all put a bunch of athletes on the field. Um, you can call it a 3-3, three, three, you can call it 3-5. I don't think it's semantics really. Mm-hmm. Um, but you coached the overhangs. Um mm-hmm. What was that rabbit hole and learning that? Because obviously the, the O-line's a little more natural for you. That's kind of, that was already your wheelhouse. Um, what was kind of going down that rabbit hole and you and y'all staff putting together what that should look like and kind of how to coach the outside backers? Well, you know, the crazy part is I think being an offensive line coach made me a great linebacker coach, outside linebacker, not great, good, like I should say, outside linebacker coach. <laughs> because when Chad said we're going to 3-5, 3-3, whatever you want to call it, it is what it is. Um, I said, okay, he said, I need some help with the outside backers. We got to figure this out. We're going to call them Devil Bandit, all right? And they're kind of a DB linebacker. They got to be able to play man coverage, but also make a tackle. So not a true, true corner. I'm like, okay, so you got to look for that in-between body, that 180, 190 kid. We didn't have a lot of sometimes Zane's what it seemed like. I always had to look for him. And I got kids smaller than that. So my better, one of my best ones, he was all state two years in a row. He weighed 165 pounds. But outside linebacker to me is the one spot you can put a kid who's really, 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 really smart. He understands it, but he's a step slow. As long as he ain't scared to hit nobody, but he can be a step slow because if they have it here in the mind, they can diagnose the play so fast they can know what's coming. They, they know exactly what's coming. They can be there. Even though they're a step slower, it makes them a step faster or where they should be because they know what's coming. And me being an offensive line guy, I taught the I taught the outside backers, their read isn't the backfield. That's one thing that people get looking in the back, looking in the backfield. Nope. You're going to watch the offensive tackle because he can't lie to you. He's going to tell you what the play is going to happen. Okay. So we would spend time on doing nothing but I would get one of my offensive linemen to come down there with me and I'd tell them a play. I said, do your first step. That's all I want you to do is your first step. And then I would show the outside backer. This is your reaction to his first step. This is your reaction. If he pops up, you better get back. It's past. We're dropping in the zone. You got your zone drop. We worked on a zone drop. You know, what you're reading there. You know, you read, we call it two to one. Number two is the, is the uh, inside guy. If you're in doubles, 
So you read two to one. What did two do? Then you go out to one, depending on what two would do. Because again, there's only so many routes you can run, all right? Even though people want to say, I got a thousand routes. Yeah, but there's only so much room on a football field, okay? If two goes out, what does one have to normally do? He's probably going to come in. So if two goes out, I look at one, take him, you know? If two goes down inside, I turn to one because if he's going inside, that ain't my man anymore. He's going down in there with the inside linebackers or a crossing route or something. They, they ain't got nothing to do with me. I need to go to one. If two goes vertical, now I need to settle down and look at one. What did one do? Did one come in and one went vertical? If they both go vertical, I just settle down, look for a swing pass and make sure the quarterback didn't get out of the pocket. Yeah. So it, it's all stuff predicated on what happens. And it sounds like a lot, but really and truly, it all happens so fast that if you can diagnose, you can get in the right spot. And it really, it, I even broke it down even more. The more and more me and Chad looked into it, I got kids to look at the formation. What are they in? Well, what can they do from this? What can they attack? How can they attack you from this formation? And then you take the next step, and then I had a kid who would do this. And this was, he was all everything for us. He would watch the film, baby. Well, coach, this is the formation. These are any plays they run out of us. This is what they're going to do. Well, yeah, exactly. So it really turned into a thinking man's game more than an athletic. When I, let's put it this way. I've had every gamut. I had a guy who was really smart, wasn't that fast, was, was a serviceable and very good outside linebacker. Then I had the guy who was, but he was kind of small. Then I had the guy who was bigger, very athletic, really couldn't dinosaur to play. He did pretty well because he was so athletic and got out there. Then a couple of times I put it all together. I had a big kid, very smart. He was all state two years, both of them, because they put it all together and could do it. And, you know, there's just certain entities and it made it fun. It was a fun place. To, it was a fun place to, to coach because you could make a lot of tackles and make a lot of tackles for a loss and do a lot of easy interceptions for touchdowns just by reading the defense, what they had to tell you and being the diners that quick and being the right spot. And I had kids that could do that because I taught them how to dine. And like I said, reading the offensive lineman first. We all know if he pops up, it's got to be a pass, right? If he steps his inside foot, the play's probably going away. I would say you're going to step check. I'm going to step down in and check, check make sure that's coming back to me, and I'll be a late pursuer to the backside because it's going away from me probably. The biggest thing is the number one ding, 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 get on my horse. Here it comes with me. I got to make the stop. And if his foot comes towards you or steps out at you, you better be coming downhill because that play's coming at you, and you got to stop it because you are the force player. So, so like with that, how did you drill all that? That's my question. Because like obviously you see the transition from mm -hmm. O line to outside backers there. You're doing a, like again comes back to footwork, like mm -hmm. footwork and eyes. So, so the first, how do you the first drill thing, the first thing I do is because first thing I get to them is listen. You're a run stopper. Your job is to stop the run. You'll help with pass, but stop the run unless you're in man coverage. Let's just take man coverage out of it. Let's take all that. First thing is run. We're going to stop the run. So you have to look at the uh, first thing you do, do is look at the formation. If I got a tight end, I got two receivers, three receivers, one receiver, no receiver. Is the back set my way? Is the back set the other way? I got to know that. But then the number one thing is I'm looking at the tackle in his first step. What did he do? If he fires straight out, the play's going up the middle. I better step check, make sure he's not popping outside, bouncing it outside. And I'm going to help out 
if he gets through the two inside linebackers, I'm going to be there to make tackle for a three-yard gain. If he would step in inside footsteps, I'm step-checking, make sure nothing's coming back to me. The play's probably going away. I'm going to skip over the top and get a pursuit angle. If he steps out at me, his foot comes out towards me, I'm coming downhill. Something's coming off the edge, and I'm going to stop it for a two-yard, three-yard loss because I am not going to let the receiver, if they're in two-by-two, block me. I line up inside of him to where if I'm inside of him, as soon as I dart down inside, my back's turned. He can't block me. He's going to have to hit me in the back and get a penalty. So that's the first thing is your alignment, I guess. Let me back up to that. We always lined up inside the number two receiver. If there was no number two receiver and there's just a number one way out there, we split the difference between the tackle or tight end and receiver, split the difference. So as coach always said, alignment assignment, that's first. Alignment and assignment. Like I know my alignment, then I can know then I then I can figure out my assignment. Next drill, once I did the drill with the tackles um, and did that, that was your run. That's all you needed to do and understanding formation. The next thing I would do is work on the drop. If you have a field, it makes it made it nice. I would line them up on the hash, on a hash mark, any hash mark. And I would, well, I would do the one because usually I would, did not, it didn't matter. I would line up on a hash mark and they would drop diagonally to the numbers. That was your drop. And we ran, and I, and I worked on. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't. Um, they didn't drop like a DB drops where you're down and you backpedal and all that stuff. Even though that's another craziness of what I used to do is, we would go with the DBs the first ten minutes and do footwork drill like the W drill, the cone drill, all that stuff. Work on footwork, but then I, I would leave that and say we can't do anything else, guys, because the, the other stuff they do, how they drop stuff, that's not what we do. We drop at a at a forty five degree angle, and we use the look back, cross over your feet kind of thing. Yeah. So you're totally, you know, your back because you want to look and be looking at your receivers as you're dropping to your spot. You're looking at what's going on with your receivers, as in two to one. I'm reading two to one. If two goes in, I, I my head changes to one. And again, like I said, two is the inside receiver. Now, if all I have is one, then I'm dropping straight to the uh, dropping back, look at number one. Another thing that we never got into because a high school, we never made a high school team really used used it. But today's today's offense in the in the pros, I could see me two to one would be number two, be the tight end if he's on the line, seeing what he's doing. You know, a lot of teams, their tight end is their main guy. Travis Kelsey, I mean, you might want to know where that guy's at. You know, I don't know, but I, you might want to know. So that would be a, a challenge for me. It'd be a cool challenge to have a team that use a tight end a lot be having my guys look at the tight end because never really had to because most time most people play spread and there's really no tight end up there so that would be a, a wrinkle especially in the league you guys were in there wasn't that's not a very tight end anymore 10 uh, 15 20 years ago yes a lot, a lot more nowadays i, it's, I don't even know if anybody in that league is a even, even Lincoln valley runs the spread which they were true you know yeah. I, they, they, although you know, i played i played Lincoln valley every year they beat the living crap at me for four straight years in high school trust me i am well aware of you know so that that was interesting so you know those are the drills you you might start out with the dbs the corners and the safeties but you got to break off and you got to do your drop drill you got to do your read drill then it's it's basically you know you put guys out there, run some combo routes at them, just to let them see what they can do and how you how you stop them. 
and the other big thing, and this drives me crazy, and my son even uses it. He watches TV and says, Daddy, they're guarding grass. Why do we guard grass out there for? It's like, uh, you know, the, the younger generation don't know this, but uh, back in my day when I was growing up, I, I liked cars, and cool cars had curb feelers on them. And the curb feel was a little thing that stuck out the side of the car that would feel the curb so you wouldn't scratch your tires up, right? Curb feeler. Yep. So I tell my kids, put your curb feeler out. And when you touch somebody, that's your guy now. It goes to man. And a curb feeler, what's a curb feeler? Coach, curb feeler. So I had to explain to him what a curb feeler is. Because you drop out there and you just guard grass, the guy catches the ball right next to you. Yeah, because yeah, you wouldn't guard it. When coach, you said drop right there. Yeah, but once you drop there, guard the guy that's in that area. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah, that was always a struggle. Don't guard grass, I'd say. Don't stand out there and guard grass. Funny. So, those are just things that I've used. The biggest thing I've learned is you got to teach your kids your terminology. That way you can yell out there to them and they know what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. The, the last question I want to ask you, and I, I mean, especially I asked essentially all of our region reps this, is, is you're obviously very involved in our association. Um, Grand staff was as well, obviously, now being our former president. Um, kind of, I mean, because I, I am big on trying to push young coaches to a be involved in their association. Will it be the local one? Like we have Miami Valley out here mm -hmm. and your state one, just stay involved. Um, kind of what was, why did you get involved in OHSFCA? Um, what was kind of your reasoning behind being so involved as you are today? Um, probably the passion I have for coaching wanting to learn you can never i mean i've been going to the clinic not as long as chad has but i think i'm going year like 20 maybe and i always pick up something something i can use down the road you know and football is evolving granted it's blocking and tackling whoever does that best wins don't get me wrong but you can always pick up something that can help your kid help your kids take back to them teach another young coach you know coaches need to be involved because it's just like you're a teaching profession. You you do professional development for teaching. You want to get better at your teaching job. So why not get better at your coaching job by going, being around other coaches, listening to what they have to say, talking to them, asking questions. I mean, we're so busy as coaches. We don't get, during the season, we don't get to ask anybody a question about our own staff. We can't go ask the head coach over at so-and-so school about how he did this or why he does that or whatever. We don't yeah. have time. So you want to go to these meetings and get around these coaches and especially Having a local chapter is great. And that, 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 that is one that I, I wish we could get started back up in Stingham County again because you can learn a lot from other coaches because you don't get a chance to go watch them practice. And that's the one thing, being away from varsity football for a year, I got to go watch other varsity practices. And there's so many things I wrote down and took back, like, man, I'm going to try this out if I ever go back and do work. But you can't do that when you're coaching it. So to get out to these meetings, come to the clinic, get involved in your local one, start a local one if you need to, whatever. So you can just sit down and, excuse me, in the off season and talk football and ask those questions that, you know, I, I wish I knew how to do this. Or what do you think about this? Or I'm going to try to do this. Well, how did you guys put it in? Or what did you guys do with this? You know, that, that's how you learn. I mean, I, I, I take credit for nothing that I teach. I've stole everything. I admit it. I give people credit to who I stole it from. All right. But that's how, that's how you have to do it. And you just get more knowledge to come up with more answers. You know, like me and Chad said back in 2012, we ain't never going to get stuck. But we ain't got an answer. So I need to go out there and, and, and follow up and make sure I got an answer to when we have an issue. Yep, that's what we're going to do right here. Yep, that's what we're going to do right here. Yep, I got an answer for that. 
Yep, I talked to Wichita this year about how they instituted that. We can do that, Chad, or we can do that, Coach. You know, so you want to get involved from that standpoint right there because you're good because you're a coach. So you got to be good at it, but you want to be better at it, and you want to you want to teach your kids. You know, my biggest thing I used to tell my linemen when they go off to college and play, if they did, when they come back, what'd you learn? What drills are you doing? Am I am I am I putting you in the best position for that? Am I doing that drill? Am I teaching that? Is that how I teach it? Does that make sense? You always want to self-reflect and make sure you're doing the best you can do for your kids and your staff. Yeah. And go out and learn. And it's just hard for us to go learn because we're coaching year-round basically football. So when you have an opportunity, you need to take it and go watch somebody else. I mean, I go watch the all-star practice just because it's five different head coaches out there coaching. How are they doing things? How are they doing stuff? You know. I just sit back and watch. I'm, I'm not trying to impede anybody's stuff. I just want to learn and look. You know, that's the biggest thing I, I have fun doing. I love going and watching high school, college, doesn't matter, football practice. And overall, how are they doing the quarterbacks? How are they doing receivers? Is there, a, is there a special teams drill that we could do that we could pick up and, and do? Because we all know in high school, special teams are very important, but everybody knows that's the least amount of time you spend on special teams. So what can I do to where I can spend less time on it or not same amount of time to get more bang for my buck? You know, so it's just you, you want to be able to look around and, and, and create those relationships so I can call you up and say, hey, you're doing this. How'd you do that? I want to do that. And, 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 you know, you call me up, Coach Jackson, we're trying to do this. What, what did you do? You know, I'm, I'm not. If anybody tells you they, they, they don't want to get with it, they're crazy because they stole it from somebody. There's nothing out there that has been reinvented. Somebody did it years ago somewhere else, and you stole it and brought it to the day. A lot of stuff that we're doing today, I mean, it's crazy. Long story short, Coach Parks ran the single wing. What is everybody trying to do? What is everybody doing now, basically? They have a package for that where they run the spread, which is basically a single wing. you got your best athlete playing quarterback now. That's what yeah. you do. You know, and that single wing's 50, 7,500 years old, you know. But that's what we're doing. So just get involved, coaches, I say, you know, young coaches. Find out who your rep is. You know, ask them questions. You know, this way we can get our game that we love the way we want it. Yeah, perfect, Coach. Well, coaches, um, I don't know, do you even have a Twitter, Coach? I do. Uh, that's a, a I am C-A-J, I think. C-A-J seven. Hold on here. I mean, yeah. Well, that way, if someone wants to talk to you, they I have a. I am at seven caj. That's what I am. At seven caj is my Twitter handle. Reach out to me. You got questions? I'm the yep. I'm Zanesville High School. Uh, you can find that. Um, anything anything I can ever do for a coach, please reach out to me. More than happy to help in any way I can. If I don't have the answer, I'm going to find you somebody that does. Yep. So give coach a follow. If you have any questions for me, anything really in depth on zone, or like I said, he he does also does a really good job with outside backers. So either one. Um, and like I said, they had some legit teams at Zanesville when they were there and they did a really good job there. Uh, like, share, subscribe. Um, like I said, that helps people find this video and the other uh, podcasts and all the other crap I have on the channel at this point. And then uh, check our sponsor coach pad. Um, otherwise that's another episode of the gap down backer podcast.